episode of a thousand and one by one where each week we take a film out of the book a thousand and one movies you must see before you die discuss it analyze it and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book my name is adam st john my name is Britt reinholtz hobson and i'm joseph rogate Well, welcome everyone to this episode of 1001 by one where we will be discussing Park Chan-wook's Old Boy from 2003. But before we get into that discussion, I think we should start with uh, some recommendations. So, uh, Adam, would you like to tell us your recommendation for this week, if you have one? I I sure do. I'd love to tell you what my recommend was going to be until I realized that I had already used this as a recommend. Because I uh, I thought a story of revenge with a modern setting would have been great. I was about, I rewatched it on Saturday. I was about to talk about Promising Young Woman again, except for the fact that I've already recommended the movie. So instead, I'm gonna go more towards the um, fucked up movie route. Yes. Uh, and and I, I first wanna say, Brittany, thank you so much for allowing Joey and I to pilfer your Shutter subscription. Because yeah, no problem. I would not have Seriously. I would not have been able to have watched the movie that I am about to recommend. Ooh. So I am recommending a movie recommending a movie from this year. It is called Speak No Evil. <gasps> uh have you so Brittany, have you seen it? No. I have I I want to watch it. I just haven't had an opportunity to because it was kind of me choosing between watching Korean movies or watching that. <laughs> so I watched a bunch of Korean movies instead. But I Oh, I want to see that movie so bad. Joey, have you heard of this one? I know of it. I have not seen it though. Um, it's you know it's on the list. So uh, it looks fantastic. I, I'm gonna just read, I, and I'm taking this right from from Wikipedia. So so uh, it's a 2022 psychological horror thriller by Christian Taftrup. Um, It was co-written by his brother. Here's the basic plot synopsis. During their vacation in Tuscany, Bjorn and Louise, a Danish couple, and their daughter Agnes meet Patrick and Karen, a Dutch couple, and their son Abel, who allegedly suffers from congenital aglossia and is born without a tongue. A few weeks later, Bjorn and Louise receive an invitation from the Dutch couple to visit their remote rural house in the Netherlands, which they accept. After eight hours of driving, the family arrives at their destination. And then the movie really just kind of fucking goes. Um, the, I, I didn't actually watch a trailer for this and I because I'm pretty anti-trailer. Uh, but I'd heard enough about this movie and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it. And I, but I told Melissa we were trying to find something to watch. I'm like, okay, because she, she's going through Shudder. And we almost settled on something different. But she goes, well, have you heard of this movie? And I said, I have. All I've heard is that this is a day ruiner. This is a movie that if you watch, it is going to like, 
I, well, I wouldn't say F your S up, but my kids are here. That's going to fuck your shit up. Um, <laughs> right. And it is really all, it's like about how people play into the niceties when you don't know somebody, the courtesies you allow when you're in somebody else's home and just how, how far you'll go before you speak up. And the Speak No Evil works as a title. It's so perfect. Like it works on like four different levels and it, you're just watching what this family is going to do. It is, it is very tense. I, we, afterwards, Melissa and I were talking about it and we equated it to, to like a funny games, which is sort of, it's, it's funny games is a home invasion movie, but like where you're watching a couple basically actively think like, what are we going to do? What, what is happening? And when it turns, it, it turns. And I, I really, I'm, I'm speaking vaguely because I, this is absolutely a spoiler filled kind of movie. And it's so new that I, I honestly would hate to ruin it for anybody it is on shutter um and it, it it's it's partial it's kind of in subtitles but like they're because one couple is from um denmark and one couple is from uh the netherlands i guess um when they get together they speak in english so it's all it's only partially subtitled so it anybody feeling like oh no it's a subtitle movie there's only a little bit of it um and we have kids and we were able to get through it without freaking out. So like, it's, it's still tense, but it's, it's, uh, it's holy shit though. It, I mean, if you like a good tense thriller, I cannot recommend this enough. Oof. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move that back up to the top of the list again. Maybe I'll get my husband to watch it with me on uh, Halloween. That's usually the only time he'll watch a scary movie with me. And this, this is my type of Halloween movie. So, (laughs) (laughs) we'll see there you go i love it i love it joey do you have a a recommendation for us this week yes i do so i was thinking about how uncomfortable this made me this movie that i love um and i was the so i just started thinking about other times i've been very uncomfortable watching movies (laughs) and the most uncomfortable i've ever been watching a movie um it's a 2020 movie directed by emma seligman Shiva Baby. Have you guys seen this? No, no I, I've, I've, but I have heard of this. So it's a Shiva and, you know, girl, uh, starring Rachel Senna, who's great. And she goes, to, you know, it's a family friends and it's the most claustrophobic, uncomfortable thing I've ever watched. I was literally watching it like crawling out of my skin. It's not a horror movie. It's a people in a Shiva movie. And Everybody in it is awesome. Rachel Sinat knocks it out of the park. And, you know, if you're feeling uncomfortable, just double down and watch this movie. It's like an hour and 20 minutes. It's it's great. It takes place in New York, so I loved it even more. But um, you'll feel uncomfortable, and it's very worth watching. Oh, that sounds great. I am, I'm excited to see that one now. And it's not scary. Um, it's just painfully uncomfortable. Like, there's times you're literally just, like, sweating. <laughs> God. For anybody interested, there is a uh, Vinegar Syndrome uh, uh, label partner label that has a really cool version of this out there that you can. I mean, if you're a physical media dork like I am, um, you can uh, you can get it. You can actually get a real copy of it. Oh, it's on HBO Max. Oh, yeah. there you go. Oh yeah, it's out there. And and for anybody who is uh, doesn't pay for that because I don't, uh, it's also apparently on Canopy. So you got a library oh. subscription. You can watch Shiva Baby. Canopy, Canopy. is underrated. It really, it really is. fucking is. Yes. I need to use it more often. I feel like that's the one I always forget about. I constantly am trying to find movies on things. And I'm like, oh, Canopy. I should check there. 
for anybody who doesn't want to do like a Criterion subscription, a lot of the old Criterion movies you can find on Ooh, Canopy. Ooh, I didn't know and that. And Canopy has a yeah. lot of really good documentaries on Canopy. Because Canopy, right. so I got with Canopy when I taught for a college. Um, they gave me a subscription. So I just had all these documentaries and things and then I've just stuck with it since because it's, you just have great choices. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. For real, for real. That's awesome. Well, um, for me, I uh, on last Friday, my husband and I actually went to SIF uh, uh, in Seattle. They always play, they always play great movies. Uh, and I was very excited because uh, a movie was coming out. It was the opening night for this movie that I'm going to recommend. And I didn't really expect there to be many people there for it. And when we got to the lobby, the lobby was Oh, just packed. And I thought everybody is here to see Triangle of Sadness, obviously, because that was the the other one playing. But they mm -hmm. weren't. Everybody there went specifically to see Decision to Leave by Park Chan-wook. And just for the audience, here's a quick, quick little, quick little blurb about it. Uh, Decision to Leave by Park Chan-wook is a about a detective investigating the suspicious death of a man who was found at the bottom of a mountain, but this detective becomes enamored with the dead man's widow, who also happens to be the prime suspect. I don't want to give any more away than just that. I had such a good time watching this movie, surprisingly. I do think that a lot of it was um, watching it with the audience. Everybody was so engaged and, and reactive. We had so much fun while we watched this film, and I didn't necessarily expect that, and it kind of just subverted everything I expected. So I highly recommend Decision to Leave. If you have a chance to, to see it, please do. It's really great. Also, Park Chan-wook is great. So support him. I love that. I, I, I so miss not being by a movie theater. It, it fucking, it kills me. Oh my not God. that I'd be able, not that I'd be able to see anything right now anyway, but like I do, I miss it so much. Oh, yeah. yeah it's nice. <laughs> it is, it is. And I like Sif because it's less expensive and there's beer, so. You can't go wrong. I mean, I'm so spoiled. I can have every type of theater within 15 minutes of me. It's, I mean, that's that is pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, absolutely I mean, is many choices. It's <laughs> it's it's like cruel to others. Sorry, Adam. Mm, <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> but hey, that's you're fair. like building a, your own cinema experience in your house, right? I live I, in a sl slowly but surely. Yeah. Right. I live in like a 720 square foot apartment, so I can't do that. Wow. I think you, this movie that you can't find streaming, the fact that you're building the physical media is super important. I mean, you know, I've, I have it because last year for BPC Christmas, when we did um, Secret Santa movies, I recommended Old Boy to Grant. So it had to get bought off eBay so he could watch. And then I borrowed it from Kieran. You know, the yeah. fact that yeah. it's so hard to find certain movies is you know, why physical media is important. And Adam's smarter than the rest of us. Yeah, old boy's impossible to find. I, I told you previously, but I'll repeat it again for the podcast, that I tried to buy this on eBay. It got lost. I did not get my money back for that, and I was pretty annoyed. But then I re-upped Netflix DVDs so that I could watch this film. And that's also how I'm going to get Inland Empire at some point. But it like I had to go to extremes and give Netflix more money for a subscription I barely use uh, in order to watch this film. It was worth it, though, because it's Old Boy. And so Old Boy is actually, there's this in Huntington, which is like 20 minutes north from me. Adam knows where it is. He was there. Um, there's a small, it's the Cinema Arts Center. It's a small movie. They're actually playing Old Boy soon. 
And I was like, what are the odds? <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. That's awesome. That is so cool. Are you going to go see it? Yeah, 100%. Awesome. Well, should we uh should we get into it? Are we ready to talk some some old boy facts? Listen, it's been 15 years and you've released me into the world, so I think it's time. Yeah, I mean, Perfect. this is the movie that taught me that I need to ask the right questions, so facts <laughs> are where we need to go. Well, before we begin, I just would like to start with a uh, a Nietzsche quote that I think uh, encapsulates this movie specifically. Um, Whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster. And if you gaze long enough into an abyss, the abyss will gaze back into you. And as we and as we leave on that really, really um, positive and upbeat, uplifting quote, why don't I go straight into the cast and crew of Old Boy? So Old Boy's director is Park Chan Wook. Oh, and I will say this beforehand. I am a white woman who is not Korean. I will try my hardest to pronounce all of these names as well as I can. I do apologize. I I have tried and I am continuing to try. Uh, So director is Park Chan Wook. The writers of Old Boy are Park Chan Wook, Jo Yun Hwang, and Yuji Tai. Cinematographer was Chung Hoon Chung. The cast of Old Old Boy, Choi Min Sik as Odesu, our lead. Yuji Tai as Wu Jin Lee, the man who imprisoned Odesu. Kang Hya Jung as Mido, the love interest. Jedi Han as No Ju Hwan, Desu's childhood friend. Kim Byung Ok as Mr. Han, the bodyguard. Yu Jin Seo as Lee Sua, the sister of Wu Jin Lee. And Oh Dao Su as Park Chil Woon, the prison manager. Is there anyone that I forgot on that list, my friends? nailed it yeah i think i mean i mean you you could you could do more but really it's it's uh it's it's odaisu it's mido and it's lee i mean those are really the they three really that are gonna, that's who we're going to be talking about <laughs> absolutely oh, yeah. absolutely we might get a couple of mr hans in there just because he's in some good scenes but yeah um for the accolades uh they this is a pretty lauded film. Uh, people, it's it's a cult classic, one might say, but it's also one of the films that really brought South Korean cinema to the West, and it became such a, a an important niche part of 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 our film culture as as we have now. Um, so at Cannes, it was nominated for the Palme d'Or, but it lost to Fahrenheit 9/11. But it did win the Grand Prix, and it was the first South Korean film to win the Grand Prix. And Park Chan-wook thanked all of the four octopi, octopi who gave their life for this film. And much just, respect. Much respect to those, those poor octopi. We will definitely get into uh, the controversies of this film because it's pretty controversial. Um, so, did you all look up the IMDb Top 250 Films? <laughs> I, I did, yes. Oh, I did. So did I. I did it twice, actually. And the first time I looked it up was on um, September 29th. And at that point, Old Boy was number 71 between Top Gun Maverick and Joker, which I found hilarious. Um, but then when I looked it up again yesterday, it was number 70. And it is between The Dark Knight Rises and Joker, which just that's like film bro 
like cinema right there, right? <laughs> I, it, it's 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 so brutal because, like, I, I there. Okay, here, here's what I'll say because we're talking about old oh boy. Like, there there are absolutely parts of Joker that I enjoy, and and then and that's over here, and then and then over here is I do really like Christopher Nolan. But those two films even being on the list is it's that's, yeah. that's really bad. Yeah. That's how <laughs> I Dark Knight Rises being on the list, I think is fine. It's too high, but I think it's fine. Joker, come on. Especially that high. Like Joker and Old Boy don't belong in the same conversation. No. Yes, I concur. Concur. I But I, that's kind of the issue with IMDB, the the recency bias of it. Like, oh, this is a thing I saw and I'm 22, so this is what I'm going to spend all my time voting for. <laughs> yeah, it's. I have my own opinion. Some of the movies are. Yeah, some of the movies around it were funny because Into the Spider Verse, I think, is just higher than it. Just like higher. there was a few right around it. Um, I, I suppose Spider Verse is still too low on the 250. Agreed. But, um, you know, there was a lot of movies around it where I was like, okay, okay. And then there was just, Joker really stood out in its presence on the IMDb 250 for me. Like, where old boy is. Yeah. I guess one day we'll probably get to that. That's in the book, right? I, I think it is, yeah. That's disappointing. Um, not to give my hand away or anything, but that is where it falls on the top 250 films on IMDb. Now... Friends, would we like to go to lists next, or do we have some reviews we'd like to talk about? I, I, you know, I, I just really like, I love that somebody like Roger Ebert gave this four stars. Um, yeah. And, and, and spoke very highly of it. And I think, I, just the very last, we are so accustomed to thrillers that exist only as machines for creating diversion that it's a shock to find the movie in which the action, however violent, makes a statement and has a purpose. It's, it's a great review. It is. I was actually shocked when I read that. I, I don't know why I assumed that it would really be that high on his list, but it, it was refreshing to read, and I, I was I was kind of blown away by his review. I thought it was really poignant. Yeah. I found a review um, from March 25th, 2005, by a, by a woman named Manola Dargas. Dargis, oh, from the New York Times. From yep. the New York Times. Uh, it's somewhat scathing and honestly she seemed personally offended by this film so let me just read read a snippet for you all from it i'm excited yes there's no denying that mr park is some kind of virtuoso but so what so was the last guy who directed a gap commercial yep what yep um i'm gonna skip over some of this because she says a lot i highly recommend you go see that and it says historically speaking the most interesting thing about old boy is that like so much product now coming out of hollywood it is a b movie tricked out as an a movie what this review is incredibly difficult to read um you can feel the animosity coming off of the page and she is so personally offended by this film that she wants everybody reading this article to understand that they should also feel this irritation towards the film because she thinks it's so undeserving of this praise that it's receiving. I would like to counter with a quote from Park Chan-wook. When he was asked about his filming st- filmmaking style, he responded with this. I don't feel enjoyment watching films that evoke passivity. If you need that kind of comfort, I don't know why you wouldn't just go to a spa. So I feel like he actually 
managed to still make her feel something with this movie. And that's what he wanted. He wanted to elicit some type of reaction, whether it was a good one or a bad one. And this was a very uh, poor reaction to it. And again, she's entitled to her own opinion. That's fine. But I also think she was not looking at this. First of all, she said that it was a, a it was similar to a movie coming out of Hollywood and it's not a Hollywood movie. It is a South Korean film. It's completely different. And I feel like she was thinking that this movie was made specifically for her and it it wasn't. Um, and that's something that in the industry, I think we need to talk about the fact that there can be films that we can appreciate and enjoy and realize that maybe we're not the audience that they were necessarily going for. So if it doesn't hit with us, yeah, that's fine, because I'm I'm not South Korean. So I don't necessarily need to understand every nuance of this film. That's how I felt about it, though. But yeah, the I gap don't... commercial comment is pissed. just unfounded because Listen, if you don't like this, if you watch this movie and say, you know what, it's not for me, okay, like, valid. It's not your taste. There's nothing wrong with that. I think you're wrong, but there's nothing wrong with that, right? Because it's a nuanced, layered movie. I mean, you know, not to jump too far ahead, but psychosexual incest is not an easy topic. If you're just hanging out on a sunny Sunday, fine. (laughs) But to compare it to a Gap commercial is just willfully ignoring what you're watching on screen and what Odesu goes through and Mido. Like, to have them singing, compared to singing Mellow Yellow and Khakis, (laughs) like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and she also at some point goes into talking about how um, this movie just, like, elicits fanboys and, uh, sorry, and how... um, it needs to be noted that at Cannes, Quentin Tarantino was, you know, that he was on the whatever it's called. The, oh, the, the, the jury. He the, was yeah, on the, the jury. But yeah. Quentin Tarantino is one of the reasons why so many Eastern movies have made a, a have even made it over here. So the fact that she's so dismissive of that because of his own brutality in his films is just off just it's very off color to me i i really was offended by this so i needed to share it with you friends because i'm thank you i'm i'm glad you all agreed (laughs) but you know it's good to see bad you know not bad reviews um poorly (laughs) poorly thought out reviews um but listen if your entire goal you know he wanted people to feel something i think it's safe to say without getting into it the three of us felt something she felt something. She just couldn't, the, what she just felt, what did not work for her. Well, and yeah. she also brought up um, the directors of Straw Dog and the director of Salo and made a comment about how we're very far away from that, um, from from those artours, basically. Wait, and she's I, pro Salo? Apparently. Um, and I just thought it was totally inappropriate for the review itself. But that's just me getting on my high horse. Being pro solo and then knocking this down for its violence or exploitation, whatever she she thinks, doesn't really that doesn't connect, right? Am, am I well? Am I, I right in saying so. that? My my guess, and I and I I you know Manola Dargis, it, you know she's one of two, and her and A.O. Scott are like the two main critics of the New right. York Times, and of course at that point you're very highfalutin, you know, when you're when you're the critics for them. I I think maybe you know the reason why something like a sallow is because well it's an air of satire against fast fascism and there's a bigger 
idea behind it versus old boy kind of being what it is about. And I'm not saying I agree with that because I think that's horseshit. But I, it's, I, I'm guessing there's more like, well, behind the the movie, there's the more commentary. Movie. She really did say she really did think there was nothing below the surface of this film, which fine. I mean. I got to yeah. be honest, my husband felt the same way the second when we watched it, and he used to love this film. So people can grow and change, even if I don't agree with that. I basically told him, you're wrong, and, and stopped talking to him at that point about this <laughs> film. Hey, friends, I have a question for you. Do you like lists? I love lists. Obsessed. Wow, you guys really do love lists. I've said before... Lists are fine. Lists are fine. Actually, <laughs> I did spend a lot of time trying to find this specific list because I wanted to find something that really made sense for this episode. Uh, there were plenty of best neo-noirs and worst remakes. I almost used a worst remake because let's be real. Uh, but I wanted to find something that really spoke to the nature of old boy. So um, this list is from Taste of Cinema. And I found it yesterday. And it is titled... 10 controversial movies that have merit beyond their shock value. Um, I do have issues with this title specifically because I think controversial movies are really subjective. And also, I don't necessarily think all of these are shock value movies, but I still appreciated this list. I hope that you do as well. So without further ado, number 10 was 2003's Old Boy. Number nine is 1971's The Act of Seeing with One's Own Eyes. Have either of you seen this? I have not. It is It is autopsies. That uh, I looked it up. Some of these are documentaries. This is a, a, about a, just uh, autopsies. Um, okay. Number eight was 1992's Man Bites Dog. F- fun fact. I almost included this on my list for, for this season, but I didn't because we have Old Boy on the list, and I thought, mm, I should probably wait to bring that one in. Have, have either of you seen it? I've seen like 15 minutes of it, and I fell asleep. That Mostly because of the hour in which I started watching it. Fair. So, no. Fair. I think you got to be in the right mood for it. It's, it's a hard watch. Um, okay. Next is 1973's the Exorcist, which another fun fact: this is my favorite horror movie. It's I mean, a great movie. I, yeah, we're, what are you gonna say? Yeah, it's just phenomenal. Okay, the next one is uh, number six is 1967's Titicut Follies, which is a documentary that follows patients at the Bridgewater State Hospital. Yeah, I I haven't seen it, but I know about it, and like. I feel like the making of that movie should have been like there was there was I think no consent with that I, movie. I think that might be why it's on the list because the the making itself was horrendous. Um, yeah, that I've seen. I, I saw it in grad school, and the making of it it's its own entity. It's it's even I mean the it, the work itself is wild. It's, yeah, I, I haven't seen it. I'm not quite sure it's something that I really would be able to dive into myself. But uh, again, it could still have some merit according to this list. Um, number five is 1971's The Devils, which was on Shudder for a while this year. I did watch it. I don't find it as shocking as a lot of people do. But, you know, that's fine. That's fine. All, all I can say about this one is that Ian loved this movie. I've never seen it. It's, it, well, I like aspects of it. Okay. I, will say I saw that. it a It'll... long time ago. I was probably like 19 or so, and I really liked it then, but 
I don't know how it would age at this point. It's been a long time. That's that's my issue with it, I think. But we're not talking about the devils today. We'll move on to the next one. Number four is 1997's Funny Games. German, obviously, the yeah. German version. Yeah. Three is 1993's Naked, which I had never heard about when I looked it that, up. That's a Mike Lee film, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm good. I don't need to watch it. It's, I haven't seen that. One, yeah, I, I don't think I need to see it. But if anybody else does, and if it's good, fine, I'll watch it. But it, it deals with rape. It deals with... I'm good. Um, yeah. So then number two is 1971's A Clockwork Orange. Big surprise that ended up on this list. I'm not sure it necessarily needs to be at number two, to be perfectly honest, but that's okay. And number one is Come and See from 1985. I, I know of this movie. There's a there's a I, I think there's a Criterion restoration of Come and See. Yeah, it's one that I really do want to watch because I I genuinely do enjoy war movies. But everything I've read about it, this seems very difficult to get through. And I think I'd have to be in a very good mind space in order to be able to uh, to get through that film. Yeah, I've, I haven't seen it, but I know of it too, and it seems. I've, I've almost dove in a few times, but I've never been fully committed to it. It just feels like you need to go in 100% committed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, speaking of a movie, have you guys ever seen The Bridge? No, I haven't. I, no, but I know of The Bridge, yes. I thought for sure that was going to be on here. I mean, two documentary makers put cameras on the Golden Gate Bridge and watched people jump for a year and tried to tell their stories. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't it's think intense. I could watch that. I think it would just make me cry anyways it's intense um, let's let's talk, uh, go to the one last question has this film been inducted into the national film registry well i i it has not no exactly yeah no <laughs> this is a south korean film so uh it would not be included in this registry but i would like to say that um old boy from 2013 has also been excluded from this list <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. That feels like a victory. That is a victory. It is a victory. Uh, listen, so. listen. Spike Lee has made some wonderful films. That is not one of them. Man, I love Spike Lee too. I hate like knocking it, but the ending makes no sense. It's a vengeance movie. A lot of I. I well, to be perfectly honest, I've never finished it. I've started it about four times. I started it about four times before this, and I just kept forgetting it was on. I just. There couldn't. There is one there is one aspect of the remake that I like and it's it's but it goes into how much money and kind of affluency the uh well I forget what the character is called in the remake but the Char the Char the Charlotte Copley character um basically creates a a fictional TV show that uh Josh Bowen thinks is real that he's seen when he's in and that I thought that was That's I like cool. that that was neat but uh, seriously, outside of that, nope. Nope. No, thank you. You misunderstood I agree. me. That part was cool, though. But yeah, just... the ending. And listen, I think the whole thing doesn't work. But then the end. And I'm just. I'm just it just doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. It's a vengeance no. movie for it to just kind of revert like that is. You, you missed. You were going for the <laughs> shock of it without the actual substance. And, you know, Spike Lee's someone who's so much substance so i'm not i'm not sure what happened but it's a bummer 
Well, are we ready to jump into our discussion of old boys, starting with the plot, my friends? I think so. Awesome. So I do want to do a trigger warning before, um, because old boy is a divisive, violent, and unforgiving film. So I think it's important to to let listeners know to take care of yourself and assess whether you want to engage with us in this conversation. This film will include abduction, animal death, attempted rape, incest, suicide, violence against women, violence and gore, and tooth extraction. So please take care of yourselves. And if that is too much, which is totally fine, we have lots of other happy movies that you can listen to. Um, this is not... This is not a happy film. For me, fires are Unless you are like big... tooth extractions. <laughs> oh, tooth extraction is a big one in this. Uh, I actually just went to the dentist, so it was a little bit triggering for me. Uh, no no teeth were extracted, but I, do, I, I, I don't like the... I love my dentist, but it, it's not fun anymore. But without further ado, this is the plot, the very spoiler-heavy plot of Old Boy. After being arrested for public drunkenness, Odesu is kidnapped from a phone booth on the night of his daughter's birthday. After 15 years of imprisonment and isolation, he finds himself thrust into an unfamiliar world with a burning need to find those who are responsible for his torment. He is joined on this journey, journey by his ill-fated friend, No Jun Hwan, and Mido, a young sushi chef that he has taken that has taken a liking to Odesu after he stumbled into her restaurant, wishing to eat something that is alive. Odesu tracks down the private prison where he was held for 15 years eventually makes contact with the source of his misery, Wu Jin Li, who gives him five days to discover the reason for his incarceration. If he does, Wu Jin promises to end his own life, but if Odesu fails, Mido will die, whom Odesu has fallen in love with. Eventually, Odesu uncovers that he and Wu Jin attended school together, where Odesu witnessed a sexual act between Wu Jin and his sister, Li Sua. This led to rumors spreading through the school, and Li Sua took her own life. Odesu confronts Wu Jin at his penthouse, where he learns the horrible truth. Mido, the woman who Odesu has fallen in love with, is actually Odesu's daughter. Through, his, through hypnosis, Wu Jin orchestrated everything so that Mido and Odesu were destined to fall in love. Odesu frantically begs Wu Jin to keep this truth from Mido and asks for penance, which results in him cutting off his own tongue. Wu Jin then steps into the elevator, recalls the day his sister fell into the reservoir and ends his own life. The epilogue shows Odesu asking the hypnotist to erase his memories of the awful truth. Who complies? Mido finds Odesu laying in the snow and she professes her love to him. We are left wondering which Odesu survives, the man or the monster. Well, I think that about sums up the film. What are our thoughts? So did either of you read the manga? Because this is based on the manga. No, I did not. It's fine. I engaged with a lot of content for this, but not the manga. That's okay. I read it, and I've got to be perfectly honest. I think it's, we can let it go. Um, it's so completely different to, the source material is so different to the film that came about. They're almost two completely different entities. I also just didn't particularly enjoy the manga. Um, I thought that the the Odesu character was difficult to really relate to. He was 
seen as very handsome the entire time everyone was talking about his body, which was very weird to me. I was like, this, this is too much. Um, and also, I, I happened to find it. So I found it on a website to read because it's very difficult to source. And people were allowed to re- leave comments on um, on the manga. And I, I literally kept on looking at the comments thinking, am I on an incel website? Like, this is really <laughs> disgusting and misogynistic. There was a point where Ari helps, uh, Ari, who is the Mito character, helps with something. And someone commented saying, finally, a woman does something useful. Wish that was true in real life. And another person said, oh, I love your comments. And I really, like, I had to shut it at that point. I was like, I'm done. I'm not going to engage with this content any longer. Uh, that was pretty uh pretty fun if i do say so myself uh it it was uh it was upsetting there are some differences he was in prison for 10 years versus 15 years the mito character ari isn't his daughter she's actually an actress who was hypnotized um he has no daughter and his wife doesn't die and the ending is so lackluster that i don't even think it's worth worth discussing it's the person was upset they the main antagonist was upset because Goto cried while he sang a song in school because Goto understood his pain. And because of that, he wanted to punish him because he couldn't be an active participant in the world. It's it, it's so lackluster. It doesn't matter. It, I think that the, the film far surpasses what this manga gave gave to us which is fine that's probably why it was only twenty thousand dollars for the to buy the rights when they first originally bought the the rights to this though they did sell it back for like 2.5 million so good on them all-time movie ending coming from a lackluster you know origin story is yeah something but i bet that those guys leaving those atrocious comments are the same guys voting highly for joker on imdb (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. Burn! I loved it. <laughs> that 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 is absolutely. Listen, I I'm saying this with no proof, but that's a that's a fact. Yeah, that is just factually accurate. <laughs> yeah, I mean the fact that guys like that exist in this world is you know awful, and we know what they are. It was so gross to read. I was really upset. I was like, I can't engage with this content after that. This is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, because they're fans of it. Like, fuck those guys. Yeah. but all time ending here so the fact that it came from that just shows um you know how to take a story and really blow it up and flesh it out in such a cool way right i think that goes to show that you can take something like this and um and really you can you can take a property that already exists in a in some type of media and make it your own and i think that's a really beautiful interesting cool thing that that only comes from adapting uh adapting you know a manga or a book or or anything really. Um, sometimes it doesn't work, and I think the reason that it probably works for this is because they're so divided and so separated that one can exist while the other exists, and they don't even really need to be discussed in the same forum. I was to say I'm glad you mentioned something about the Odaisu character being uh, good-looking in the um, in the manga because part of what doesn't work with the spike lee one and i'm not going to make this about that but like josh brolin is too handsome and also in the in the movie they make him too they they make him such a dick that it's like i don't care if this guy redeems himself there's nothing but like when when odaisu is um is 
like just taken out of nowhere and, and and wakes up in this prison you know we see him being like like kind of a, like you know an ass drunken disorderly asshole at a police station but there's nothing about his behavior that makes me think i hate this guy in fact the fact that he even re in this drunken state remembered to get something for his daughter what i see is somebody like who just had too much to drink like and so when he's gone it sucks you in so much because it 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 makes you feel like, what if I had too much to drink one night and all of a sudden I'm gone? Like it, it, it feels more like this could be anybody. And that's, I think that's important for this story. I Absolutely. totally agree. And, and the fact that his friend comes out and bails him out and really vouches for him and calls for him. Like it, it's such an easy way of like building who this person is where, like you said, Josh Brolin is a super good looking, charming dickhead who... I, I love Josh Brolin, but it doesn't work in this context with caring that they're gone. I also think that they they missed the part that Odesu they they never really say what he does, but he's he's basically just like a businessman. So he's probably middle class in South Korea, which could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. Whereas Woojin is he obviously has a bunch of money that he's able to use to uh exact his revenge and there is that disparity between them there's always the obvious fact that Wujin always has something to hold over Odaisu even even at the beginning because you would never see Wujin in that in that scenario he'd probably never end up drunk at a at a police station uh, did you happen have to, friends did either of you happen to watch the deleted scenes that has that whole uh the whole series in with the, in the police station yeah. Yeah, it was so it, much fun. It's really fun. <laughs> because it was all um it was all ad libbed. It was all just uh it was just him going for it, which he's he's fantastic. He he I don't know if this film could have been made with anybody else. There's something about the way that he plays Odaisu because Odaisu is not a good guy. <laughs> he I don't know if anybody is really good or bad, which I think is one of the most interesting things about this movie. Everything is pretty morally gray and we never really gravitate towards one way or the other but he makes it Troy Minsick makes him so relatable in certain ways and even though this is such an absurdist film um that it's it's interesting to watch him throughout I always think about him when he um early on in the imprisonment when his hair is just wildly long and he's just copying the man of sorrow painting and just the the insanity kind of coming to him before he starts working out and training. Um, and I think that just that right there, that like screenshot of that is, is always what I think about with him and, um, you know, where the character goes from there. And I, I just love the face and the commitment to it because it, oh. it's, um, it's so much to the character. It really is. Um, I, I was wondering, so I assume we've all seen old boy at least a few times. Have, have we all? So I've, I've seen it quite a few times. If I were to cultivate a list of favorite films, this probably would be on it um, <laughs> to give my hand away too early. I do find myself coming back to this movie again and again. And I'm wondering, did either of you have any discoveries while you were watching Old Boy this time? Anything new that came up for you on this watch? It, yes. And it's funny because I, I started asking more questions, especially... Uh, regarding his um his imprisonment and and i don't and I, I have questions that i don't necessarily have the answers to and i don't need to have the answers but it's it's interesting you know so much of 
his so actually, I want to ask a, qu a question of both of you two because I, I I'm curious if what you think D is Odaisu aware that he can be seen. No, I don't think so. Okay, now I think for, I think storytelling wise that that has to be true, right? Because if 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 he knew, he wouldn't actually be trying to escape, right? Because it, yeah. it because that's it's very obvious that from like we get a shot that we know that he's being watched so as an audience we're ahead of him we know that th he's clearly being watched and that i'm going to break out tomorrow um isn't actually going to come to fruition but this leads so i i have two questions and and i don't know the answers to these do you think that the extra chopstick was a mistake or intentional you know I think it probably was intentional because he had all and I'm going to talk about suicide at this point. So I do apologize. Um, but I think that they probably realized that he was he needed something to keep him going. And I assume that the chop, the extra chopstick might have been a way to say, hey, this will keep him occupied. I don't think that's necessarily um, supported in the script. I don't think it's supported in the filmmaking. But in my mind, that makes sense. I think it was intentional as well, and my whole thing is nothing in this movie is random, right? So whatever it was, whether it's to give him hope or just give him something to do, these guys aren't making that mistake. You know, his throwaway line of, oh, well, the guy next door only has one tonight. Um, no, I think it's just leading to like, no, 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 this was on purpose, and... Whatever the reason, I, I, you know, I think it was just to give him a bone because, I mean, at this point, his wrists are shredded. Well, and I also think that it, that brings up such a good point, Joey, that there's there's this whole through line of fate and how things are decided for you before you realize that he had no choice in what happened to him due to the hypnosis. So I think that that could absolutely be a, a thing that was uh, a subjective thing. We're here, do with this what you will. We are suggesting that there are three instead of two now. So it, I think that he probably could have been hypnotized and, and they gave it to him so that he occupied himself. And my, my other question, and, and, and part of me feels, again, I, I, off mic, I've already apologized. I've been very busy lately. So I, I, I really... I don't think I missed this, but now I'm actually asking because I, I don't know. Is there a, a reason why 15 years? Yeah. Okay. It's his daughter's birthday. She's three. I believe she's three turning four. So in 15 years, she would be 18, 19 years old. And that's how old Lee's sister was? Or just that he that she'll be of? She'll be of age. She'll be legal at okay. that point. Okay. Because okay. that's the concern at that point with incest, that it's of legal age. Yeah. Okay. She'll be Got legal, it. and I, I believe it would be that she um, could, even though she doesn't make her own decision, she could make a decision that, well, she could take the suggestion of sleeping with Odesu, and it wouldn't be considered like, oh, she was too young to make that that choice. It really would truly be because she fell in love. Got we it. always have to have so one taboo. <laughs> Honestly, and, and I appreciate the response because I, I was like, I, I don't know that I clocked that. Great. Awesome. Not awesome. That's terrible. But you know what I mean. I mean, it's such a throwaway <laughs> line answer. in the beginning um, when he says, like, it's my daughter's birthday. Let me show you what I got. And then he puts on the the wings and does the, the moonwalk. Oh, man. The, uh, oh, God. His his little. 
and then she does it is great and then she does it when she's sitting on the bed with the wings on well and what's funny too is and i'm sure you clocked like so that all that stuff they shot with him was the last day of shooting so actually she originated the move with the wings and and he's copying her And he does a pretty good job knowing that that's actually how it was. It's like he did a pretty good job. Did either of you watch the behind the scenes at all? I found a three and a half hour behind the scenes grainy ass movie on YouTube. So the Arrow version has the three and a half hour diary, what they call it. Dang. I did not. I did not watch that. I watched Old Days, which was the sort of uh, retrospective documentary oh, cool. about it. Oh, see, I didn't watch the retrospective, so that'll be, I'm interested to know what's on that. I really enjoyed the uh, the diary. It was actually fantastic. And I think the coolest thing about it was um, my favorite takeaways were that uh, Song Kang-ho, who was the father in Parasite, and he's a frequent collaborator with Park Chan-wook and a very good friend of Choi Min-sik, he was uh, shooting nearby. So he was in it the whole time because he just kept showing up on set and they were making jokes about it. They're like, oh, you must have known that we have food soon. He's like, oh, yeah, I smelt it down the road. So here I am ready for some food. And um, he's actually... Um, named in the credits and thank yous because he just came to set all the time. Um, Lee Byung Hung, who is a favorite of mine, I am obsessed with him. Also stopped by, so there were there were plenty of people that came by. And also, Park Chan Wook and Choi Min Sik had such an intense creative like camaraderie between the two of them. It really truly felt like a collaboration. And that was very cool to see. And, you know, people talked about how Park Chan-wook really did ask everybody from, you know, Choi Min-sik, who was every, you know, he was probably the most, uh, you know, elite person on that set to even like the the lowliest gaffer. He was like, hey, what do you think of this? What what should we do here? And he was really open to people's interpretations and wanted to make a collaborative film, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, that's that's really supported in the the retrospective. Um, and there's a and, and maybe there's something similar with U.S. films. I don't know, but he but they were talking about like in Korean films, you have like a crew of assistant directors, and they had all these four guys talking, and they were frequently in the films as well. One of them doubles as the punching hands uh, of Odaisu. One of them is the feet pushing his head back in in that opening shot of him reaching out underneath it. Um, but I'm really glad you mentioned the collaboration thing. The 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 retrospective opens with a quote and they basically ask Park Chan-wook, what is cinema? And he goes, cinema is the people I work with, uh, which is really cool. And it, it's very clear from the beginning that that it's all about collaboration. Um, it, and I love that. That and um, Choi, uh, Choi Min-sik basically saying like, when I'm shooting with younger actors, I feel like I'm responsible for them. And there's a real sense of like trying to bring them up. I. It, it, it's a, kind of a weird thing to say, but like to his level, his experience, like, you know, it's um, me. Uh, I'm going to get the names wrong. I'm going to go character names. Lee and Mido were not like well-seasoned actors no. at this point. So um, he, there was a sense of like him kind of being there and supporting. And uh, and that's great to hear. It's it's cool because he was kind of like the mentor for Wu Jin Lee, uh, for Yuji Tai, who played Wu Jin Lee. And he actually was the one who suggested him. Uh, Park Chan-wook wanted a different actor who was older because uh, Yuji uh, Tai is 14 years younger than Odese, than uh, Chao Min. Uh, Doesn't come across at all. Choi Min-sik. <laughs> right, I know. I was like, wow, he's got good work done. He looks amazing. But, uh, but he was the one that suggested him. And I think he, that casting was perfect. He is the correct mixture of 
insanity and charm that it just works so, so well. So he, he talks about, do, do you know what his inspiration was for the role? Oh my God, no, please tell me. I, there, it's not a specific person, but when I when I explain the type of person, I think you're, because you, can you say what you just said about, um, he was the exact he, mix of. The, uh, the correct mix of insanity and charm. He he was basing himself off of auteur directors. <gasps> oh. <laughs> oh my fucking god. You're kidding me. That's perfect. It when I heard him say that I was so tickled. I was like that's ex perfect. <laughs> exactly. Well done, sir. <laughs> that's that's fucking brilliant. Holy shit. And it works because he did have to have an air of, I am always going to be better than you. And I'm always thinking one step ahead. Even if he's not. Oh, that's so funny. In control. So one of the things that I, um, I discovered watching this film is first that it solidified that Park Chan-wook is probably my favorite director. I can't help it. I, I love almost everything he's done. Uh, I haven't seen Stalker or Stoker. I need to go back and watch that at some point. But I like stopped taking notes halfway through the film because I was so engrossed in it. Um, both times when I watched it just on its own and then when I watched it with the director and cinematographer commentary, I just stopped, stopped because I wanted to know everything that was happening. Also, this film is far less graphic and far less gory than I remember it being. And I and do- I that's so effective. Exactly. I do think that it's because, um, and I don't think it's just because I've been desensitized to gore and violence. I think it's because so much of the gore happens off screen that our minds create the image itself. And sometimes that's worse than what they could show us. And I think about, um, so with the, the tongue cutting, we'll just jump to it. Uh, so with the tongue cutting, I always imagine when I think about the film, I always think about, oh, he cuts his tongue off and I visually can see him do it. But you don't. You see him spit his tongue into the trench of water afterward, which is fucking disgusting and awful. And it makes my like stomach churn. There is a Takashi Miike film called Ichi the Killer. And in it, the character Kakihara cuts off his own tongue uh, in penance with a katana. And you watch the entire thing. Like, he pulls his tongue out, slices it with a katana. I mean, there's there's some cuts to people watching him and him, you know, making horrified sounds as he does it. But you watch it all. And for some reason, that doesn't bother me nearly as much as when Odeisu cuts his tongue off. And I think it's because we see it. Ha we don't see it happen. It's it's all in our mind's eye. But I, w I would be interested to hear what you all feel about the the violence and the gore. Yeah, I mean, I've seen this movie, this was probably times seven and eight for me. Um, and, you know, you watch things differently when you're watching them for this. Not to sound like an asshole, but like, you know, you do a movie <laughs> podcast true. for a while. Like, you change the way you watch them because you have to be critical. It's not just like, oh, that's great. Or, you know, there has to be some context. And, you know, with the violence, especially with the tongue, I was I, it made me think about Silence of the Lambs a lot and people reacting to what Hannibal Lecter did through pictures and stories, but not actually seeing it till the end, right? It's so much scarier when we have to fill in the blanks. Blood and guts is fun and all, but our minds are way worse than what they're going to be able to show us. And, yeah. um, you know, this is a intense revenge movie and, you know... I think in a short period of time, we see someone get stabbed in the ear, cut off their tongue, and then someone shoot, you know, shoot themselves in the head. And yeah. 
man, it's an intense few minutes that if more, like if it was just like a bloody mess or more visual, I don't know that it works as well or is lasting. I agree. I, I mean, yeah, I think it falls into, I mean, for me, the, the, the obvious example is the, the camera panning away in Reservoir Dogs, and we never see the ear getting cut. We just sort of live in it. And this is not as egregious in terms of, like, we, we don't look at it. But, no, it's, it's funny. I mean, we see, it's like we see a lot of the aftermath. Like, we see teeth being dropped onto the, the keyboard, but we don't see the teeth coming out of the mouth. Um, and, like, and then the, you know, I was thinking this time uh, watching the, the hallway fight, like, that's obviously violent. I mean, they're fighting, but like, if if you watch that scene and your thought is, "Oh, this scene is so violent," and you're not thinking like, how, "Like, how do they fucking do that?" Then you're I, like, you're not watching the same movie I'm watching yeah. because, like, I, I he gets stabbed even sure, but it's not like it's not this bloody thing, and I'm so captivated by the one take, the choreography, and the style of the whole thing that. The, the violence isn't as jarring as it is in, in, I mean, most other movies that have this idea. I mean, I wouldn't, when I think of certain revenge movies, there is a sense of, like, bloody redemption. Like, Man on Fire is a revenge movie, and it's just ridiculously violent. But this isn't as violent as I think people think that it is. No. No, and the hallway fight just, you know, at one point someone just throws a broken stick at somebody in the middle of a fight. Like, it's not just this over-the-top, it's... You know, how is he still doing this? Like, all right, yes, he's been training for 15 years, but he's been punching a wall by himself, right? And it's a little bit different guys with guns and axes versus a bunch of, you know, low-level thugs on the street <laughs> hanging out for cigarettes. Oh. Well, do you want do we want to talk about the fight choreo of this movie because I think it's pretty interesting. Um I, I listened to somebody talk about the hallway scene uh, because I like to see what, you know, see what other people have to say just uh, to, to get some uh, to to see if my opinions are justified, I guess. Um, and somebody mentioned the hallway scene and they said that it was like watching a bunch of people flail around and it didn't look like it was choreographed. And I thought, man, you are watching a different movie than I am because that is so meticulously choreographed that it looks authentic and that's what I find most interesting about that scene. It's like watching a video game, first off, like just that single pan going back and forth. It's beautiful. It's like Streets of Rage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then just his acting throughout that entire, he was, they did like what, 17 takes of that yep. fucking scene. And he is so exhausted and you can you feel it. You felt the exhaustion. It's, you can feel the exhaustion. You can almost feel the like, sweat coming off of him and the 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 smell of that i swear to god you can smell that that hallway it smells so bad oh it's sweat so and fried dumplings oh, that's all 100 percent. <laughs> maybe a little bit of like penny smell from some blood even though there's like no blood in it which is fine um but there's some I, blood. we just don't see it we just don't see it and that doesn't even take me out of it like i'm fine with that i, I just I think if you if you look at that scene and you think it's just a bunch of people flailing around, you're we're not watching the same movie and that's fine. You you're not getting from it what I am, but I don't love hyper choreographed fight scenes. I find them really distracting. So when I find a fight scene like this one that just makes me feel like, oh shit, he's getting punched, actually punched in the face, it makes me very happy. 
It, well, and it, it's so. I'm, I'm glad you said that because there's, there's a time and a place for all of that. Like, I again, I, I go to immediate like what I thought of, and like when you said that, I think of like I think of Neo and Morpheus training in the first yeah. dojo scene in the Matrix, which of course is like. Well, that can't look real. The whole point is that they're 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 fighting in a way that couldn't be, but it's still really cool. What grounds this is the like the uber like watching the guys who have been like like I, there's a couple of people who look that they've got like the worst Charlie horse because of how they've been like hit in the leg and they're just like limping around. I'm like I buy it, but like they're still trying to be engaged in the fight. I I think that's great. And yeah, and you know you have the the wide range of bad guys of like thugs there right like you have the guys with the, who are ready to fight then you have the guy who's probably not there to fight but now has to because of the numbers and he's a little out of shape and he's probably the tech guy who they give a gun just in case and you know now he's he's really hurting he's sweating like you feel every you know it's not this parkour filled backflips and awesome yeah. but ultimately shallow and then, you know, the way it, you know, when he's, his back's turned to them, that really cool shot of him smiling and the turn to the elevator, like it just, it's so strong and it just shows where his mind is just lost and detached already because of everything. And that, that makes him happy that he gets to go into an elevator and do this again is what's bringing him joy. And there's comedy in it when like people just start picking up shit and throwing it at him and he's knocking it away. It's hilarious. And that was another thing that I found watching this movie again. I forgot how freaking funny this movie is. It is very dark humor, but it is. And I think that's because there's no catharsis in this revenge story. So there had to be something to break that tension. If there was no no comedy within this I think that this would be one of the most bleak movies you could ever watch and that would be very difficult uh so I think that was the comedy that they did sprinkle throughout pitch perfect loved it well you know what they say laugh and the world laughs with you weep and you weep alone (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there see I I love that you're dropping that when I was about to call one of you a dick shit Oh. I, one of the things I love about before the fight scene too is uh, when with the guy who's like uh, the guy who Park. runs it, who's yeah, he's got his the the thing in his mouth, and I love that he throws him for it. And who's got AB blood, and the, and basically like take him, you know, like I I the the word I wrote here was compassionate badass, like here, you know what, take him, and that's again that's what makes it. It's like he's gonna kick some ass, but he's also not so much so much of a dick. Like he's not out to kill any of these people. That's not why he's here. He'll fuck some shit up, but he's not here to kill any of these people. It's a fact-finding mission, right? And you just have to, he has to, he has a goal to achieve and he just has to do what he has to achieve, but he's not going, you know, above board. He's making friends with Park ultimately um, after just the absurd hammer dentistry. Well, it's like it's like his own internal justice, realizing that, like, I got the information out of this person that I needed I don't need to kill them because they're not actually responsible for what happened to me. Um, not fully. They're just uh, a pawn in a bigger scheme. I actually watched this very interesting um, video on YouTube by a user named Screened called How Revenge is Used in Korean Thrillers. And he discussed um, in it justice being internal justice and external justice. And there is internal justice, which is decided by your life experience and your belief system and external justice, which is decided by laws and 
Um, it helps us maintain social order. I found it very interesting that in this movie, there was no external justice because we do not talk about laws. We do not bring in the police. We do not, you know, there's no reason for that. It's purely driven by the character's own personal justice of what they want to accomplish. And it's it's so fascinating to me. It's such an interesting moment where he does bring him to be healed, basically, because he he's like, I got what I needed from him. And there's no reason to kill him because he's not the person I want to kill. Right. It's like Hammurabi's cold, right? Like, yeah, Mr. Hand hears too much. He He's the one who listens to all the bugs. His ear is how he goes. Desu talks too much. And that's what gets him in. His tongue comes out. Right. It's it's, you know, it's um, it's like antiquated justice in a way. It really is. It's can I? I, I wanted to ask something because because I, I definitely wanted to find things to be critical about because I do. I, yeah, I, you know, no, again, it's... I think we're playing our hands. This is a, a a personal favorite of mine. I will say that um, all the stuff with the ants yeah. doesn't work for me. I don't no. need it. It doesn't. And then like I don't get it. I don't really. I mean, I understand maybe like a sense of paranoia or a sense of like I'm going crazy when he's when he's in the. Uh, the room and they're coming out of his skin. That's one thing, I guess. But then when like, there's that weird, she's on the subway and there's a giant ant on it. I, it's, I just didn't, I didn't need it. No, um, I agree. I agree. Yeah. The, the man of sorrow pose is all, like that shows us so much more than these ants everywhere. The ants, you know, that's just, I think that was a little bit of, um. hey guys, just so you know, if you didn't get it by this deranged look, this guy's <laughs> losing it a bit. Well, and I think that, um, the performance itself speaks volumes, so it was unnecessary to add in as much CGI as they did, and I think it actually hindered the final product. Um, and I get that it's 2003. They really did not have that big of a budget, uh, even though Park Chan-wook had a very successful movie. Well, Mr. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance wasn't successful, but the prior movie was super successful called... Oh, shit, I just forgot the name. It's... Um, it's about North Korea and South Korean soldiers. I'll, I'll remember the name shortly, but it was super successful. So you would think he'd have more of a budget. He didn't. But I think that those CGI effects, like the hand, the entire arm was CGI. And you could just tell because the colors were like the light was bouncing off incorrectly. And the lighting is so spot on in this film that that just showed so bright. And when you had the big ant in the subway, the hairs on the ant were CGI and it for me, the, the poor CGI did take me out a few times because I know what to look for now. Um, and and that was that was something that I watched again. And I thought, eh, that could be better. I hope they remaster this at some point because it doesn't quite work for me. Or just take it out. And I'll be honest, I've seen this movie so many times, but um, the end stuff, I completely had forgotten all of it. Like the, every other beat of this movie I could hit pretty cleanly, that that just like lost in my mind just because trauma. I don't think it works. Trauma response. You just forgot. <laughs> Sadness. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of, so I think that we all did watch the, the vengeance trilogy. Did we? Yes. I, I was, um, again, I really like YouTube. They have some great essays about different things because it's, it's just fun, like good for them. Uh, and there was a specific uh, essay about movements in, Char in Park Chan-wook's films, and they talked about 
the vengeance, the, the violence in his films specifically. And they said that these three films, and it's uh, Speaking of Movies, they have a ton of great videos. I highly recommend them. But they discussed how these films specifically, um, they look at them in um, art movements. So Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance would be realism, Old Boy would be absurdism, and Lady Vengeance would be surrealism. And when he said that, I thought, my God, that makes so much sense to me because this last time when I watched Lady Vengeance, I thought, this looks like a Wes Anderson film. What is happening? I- well, and and have you, And I, I didn't know about, because I'd only ever seen the other ones once before, um, and I didn't know that there existed this fade to white version of, of so Lady good. Vengeance. Uh, which is this really great? It, it it almost takes it from like a a, a uh, surrealistic nature, but makes it more realistic. Like the fight the, by the end of the movie, it's everything's black and white, um, which is of course is like a statement. Like at this point, the decision what they're gonna do is there's no gray area, right? It's it is what it is. I thought it was a really neat idea, um, but in the 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 vengeance aspect of all of them is is interesting. And I, and I I again I feel like I'm gonna ask a big question in yes. a second here, but like. That that the thing that made I think sympathy for Mr. Vengeance uh, pull me in so much is that nobody's vengeance is misplaced. If that makes sense, like everybody has their, you know, like of course you you can't fault the the brother for doing what he does. He has a reason for it. You can't uh, blame Song Kang Ho for doing what he. Everybody has their thing. Okay, so I I don't know that I have an answer to this question. I love but it. I, I really am curious. Uh, Lee's sense of vengeance. I, I guess I want to. I'm going to ask it this way: How much? How much of Lee's sister's blood is actually on Odaisu's hand? So you know, I think. Okay, this is the way I've kind of thought about it: that it's not as much about the blood on her hands; it's how much he forgot about it and kind of moved on. You know, when Lee. When we get to the end, Lee says, no, I didn't hypnotize this from you. You just forgot it wasn't important to you. So Lee, it almost felt like Lee's just absolute rage towards it was that this most effective thing in his life isn't even a cliff note for Odesu. I feel like... Um, I've... So... This whole section of the movie obviously is incredibly difficult because it deals with incest, which is an incredibly problematic and divisive thing in our taboo. Uh, it's it shouldn't really be divisive. It's not really divisive, um, but <laughs> it, I was trying to come up with the right words. I don't think there's anybody difficult pro. To talk, right? Yeah, so the, the presentation of it. Yeah. Oh, exactly. oh, right, right, right. Sorry, sorry. So, and I mean, let's be real. There's some people watching House of the Dragon that are super pro incest right now. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I am not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. So <laughs> it's all good. But um, I think that I think that. He like we can talk about this section of the movie now. <laughs> did he love his sister? I think he probably genuinely did have a very deep connection with her. Was it love? Was it obsession? Who knows? Because I think she was probably his reason for continuing and for that's how at least he sees it that way. So when she dies, he has to find something else to care about as much as he cared about her. So he decided to put it straight into the person who brought this this trauma and this this action 
on him. And I think that he's trying to probably forget his own part in his sister's death because it it takes two people for this to happen. It wasn't just one person in this case. It was two consenting teenagers. It's a it's a tough question. It's The whole thing is tough. It's very uncomfortable. I don't know if any of you noticed, but all of the music cut out when they started. Oh, yeah. I noticed. You're in it. And it makes you it makes you live in it. It doesn't distract you. uncomfortable. But Ode Sue doesn't make anything up. Mm-mm. It's just... Well, th- uh, it's, it's tough, Adam. No, no, I, I, and that's, and that's like, that's my favorite thing is being like a professor. Like, I just, I'll ask questions and be like, I don't know the answer. I just, just am t- curious to know what you think. Um, because I, because it, it is, it's, it's really tough. And it is like, and again, but I think the reason, because you mentioned the Vengeance trilogy, it's not like Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, where everybody, I feel like everybody's rationale makes sense to me. And, and it's not that I, don't see where Lee's is, but it seems so misguided. And oh. ultimately, like yeah. he finally be, making making Odaisu go through whatever he has to go through was what he needed before he could ultimately take his own life. Um, but it's it's just it's so, and maybe it's because of the absurdist nature that we can't find that real conclusion because it's pretty absurd. Oh yeah, I mean. Him, you know, when we get to the end, when he held her over the dam and let go and how that, you know, it makes it even more separated almost from Odaisu. Yeah. You know, that he was there when it happened. It wasn't that she went off on her own because of whatever the rumor mill turned into. Well, and I find it interesting in vengeance films in general, because it's a it's a huge there's a huge catalog of of revenge and vengeance films. It This is not specifically Park Chan-wook's own creation. It's been around for ages. I mean, it's been around since the Grecian times. We have tragedies. We have revenge films. We have it's all over. But with most revenge vengeance films, they follow like a super simple strategy. There's the evil deed that's done. There's a person who searches for retribution and there's vengeance that is taken. And it's very cathartic to watch the main character, who may or may not be a morally gray person, extract their revenge in one way or another. You can see the this in like John Wick with Keanu Reeves, Nicolas Cage and Mandy, Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. I'm using a lot of Hollywood films because a lot of them do this because it's easier for the audience, right? It's easier to watch a revenge film where the hero succeeds and it feels earned. And even if the hero did terrible things to get there, we have to be on their side, right? So we ultimately have to see them as good versus evil. But the entire Vengeance trilogy kind of just subverts this. We follow characters who have reasons for exacting their revenge, but it leaves them ungratified and they're plagued with their own guilt and their own anguish and there's no salvation in revenge it's sorry adam you go no i i just it's it's because like again and that's where like when you go to sympathy for mr vengeance it's like nobody needed to die but the fact that everybody kind of did it it make in in a weird way it makes sense like like everybody kind of got their comeuppance in in a fucked up way with Lady Vengeance, it's like, yeah, there was one person who really needed to get it, and he got it at the end. But again, that's where, and then Old Boy is this thing right in the fucking middle where yeah. 
it's because it, like people have done things wrong, but like how we, the, and it, like obsession is, is also really key to all of this stuff because I mean, for somebody to plan this and, and I, we haven't even talked about the idea of like the, the commodity of a business where you can imprison people for, for years that what, what is that? That just has gas and hypnotists on staff. Well, in the manga, they actually give it an amount. They said $3 million in order to keep him for 10 years. And I'm thinking That's there's it? no fucking way it only costs $3 million to keep him. There's I mean, no that, way. That sounds like a deal. Right? They gave him, they gave him a discount because it was so long. <laughs> so when we were talking about, you know, the... So I had only seen the other two movies once as well. Um... And it was a long time ago, and I had seen Old Boy probably once or twice when I delved into those. I thought that they were a narrative trilogy, um, so I was very confused after <laughs> watching them. <laughs> Honestly, I like you know I like them. I, I I appreciated them a lot more this time, and you know it's been I think three days since I watched Lady Vengeance now, and I I just can't get the group photo out of my head. I, so I think that the one character throughout all of the vengeance trilogy that actually goes throughout each film um is vengeance it's its own character and it's like different iterations of it and it's so futile in every single film i do think that lady vengeance gives gives us an opportunity to have a reaction to it um i i really really love lady vengeance I think I just really connect to Gumja and I, I, I know that there are some problematic aspects of it. I think that the, um, I know there's been a lot of discourse about the, uh, about the lesbians that are shown in the movie and that's perfectly valid. And I totally agree with those criticisms, but I do think that there are a lot of merits in, in the film itself and the ending when they're all sitting around eating cake and they start singing happy birthday. I was sobbing. Because it felt like a release and it felt like they were collectively letting their letting their trauma go almost um, and accepting oh, sure. what happened. And then I loved when they're all like, so here's my bank account information. Can you please send me back all of the uh, the money that I gave for the ransom? Well, and what's really cool in the Fade to White version um the only thing that has color at that moment are the little totems that the guy took. I'm cry so it, again. it like oh, pops wow. out even more. Yeah, man. It's when so when they when they find the marble and then the rest of the little trophies, it's the movie does a great job. I think that's it's an underrated movie. I don't know. It like doesn't get talked about. Old boy is so talked about. The fact that the other two don't get as much love and they're way easier to find. Yeah, well, way and, easier. What's what's interesting too, and again, like something I, I'm well, I'm and we haven't talked about like unsung heroes yet, but something that I, I think actually works against old boy, and and I I, I kind of can't believe I'm about to say this. I think it's too stylized. I think there's it's, there's there's too many things it's attempting, right? Like we have the 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 pan around shot where he's freaking out and he's going very very fast as the camera's kind of slowly going around. The like I love the 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 pan out with the hammer and the dot 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 dot. But there's a lot of different things stylistically happening in the movie. There's and then when he's literally tracking down the memory at the high school, we we've now got a lot of Dutch angles and yeah. it, it feels like a it's and 
none of those things separately I think are bad, but in the same movie, it's like there's a I feel like this was this was Park Chan Wook throwing everything into this one. And I that's not inherently bad, but there's a the thing about the other two movies is that they are of their own style. Yes. If that makes sense. Well, and I feel like there's a there as you said, there's a lot of different styles in this. Like the very first shot is supposed to be documentary-esque and it's supposed to, it's the only part of it that isn't a bleach bypass. I think there are a couple more in, in I think that the, um, when he's at the school with his back, uh, with the, with the, he's following, you know, them mm-hmm. to wherever and remembering things. Um, I think that also might not be bleach bypass, but they did a process on it so that they could, remove the silver tones so that it has that very surreal feel to it as you as you watch it and it almost feels like he's trying to disorient you with how much he's throwing into it and i think sometimes he could have taken a step back and allowed the the actors to just emote and allow because they are so successful in this film um the the three leads i think are are pretty pitch perfect it makes me sad that we never truly know Mido because she is uh, hypnotized and suggested the entire time. So we don't know what her true, true feelings and motives are. But I think that can also be a commentary on how um, society in the world considers women. So it doesn't bother me as much as it would in other films. Can, can we talk about the absolute you know, talk about leaving a planner. The absolute dagger in the heart after blowing up the heart of the face fake of the fake pacemaker. Turn off, turning on. Illegally recorded incest sex to just absolute super torture. Like holy shit! The level of. You're thinking, you know, you're not thinking two steps ahead. Like, Lee is diabolical. Him and, him and you know, Heath Ledger's Joker could take down the world. Just like an art tour director, right? I mean... Exactly. <laughs> I mean, nothing, nothing will ever be like the experience of watching this movie for the first time. And when, when the purple box is opened and, he's, and it's the photo album going through, and you're slow... And as the audience, now you're you're finally you're finally realizing why like what's going on and then and like you're all like I, like you're already like whoa and then when he's like i'm I, i'm gonna kill you and then the sound comes on it's just like you, you, it's it's brutal it's 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 it and diabolical is such a great word for that it moment is. it absolutely the first is. time watching that i just i don't think i breathed for like three minutes after because, you know, you see it's the photo album and then you see in, in Mito's luggage the wings in the bag. And it's just like, wait a minute. No. <laughs> just the absolute shock. And to be completely honest, I know exactly what's coming and I still react every single time. I guess this would be a good time for me to say that my favorite scene in this whole movie is the entirety of the penthouse climax. It's brilliant. I think the acting is completely just off the wall for me um when he is he is talking to Mito on the phone and he's saying don't worry don't worry I'll be there don't worry I I go oh god he's acting like a father this is horrific now because it it it's he's trying to calm down his child and that's really really hard to watch 
and like and like small like small really subtle thing I hadn't really given much credence and and maybe you both did too because obviously it's a shot in the movie but the the scene I think it's after the first time like when they've had sex the first time and he's blow drying her hair yes. <laughs> like here's the thing I don't I don't we don't have a blow dryer in our household but I will frequently have to comb my daughter's hair and that is such a father to daughter thing that like I it's like in there are little there are little plants throughout that like like that are going to lead that if you know maybe if you're a much smarter person than me you would have figured out early on but like that's such a great great thing to have in the movie well like when he calls her a little girl who cries all the time like that's that's I'm sure how my dad would describe me even now at 33 (laughs) (laughs) because I do cry all the time and I'm still his little girl Uh, but it's it is such a great build in the movie because it's peppered throughout and i think that if you are looking to try to figure it out then you're you're not engaged in the movie as much if you're because i find when i i figure out plots in a movie it's because i don't really care about what's happening and i want to try to be smarter than the director or the the screenwriter and for me, I was so engaged in the film that it didn't even occur to me that there could be a bigger twist than incest between a brother and sister to incest between a father and daughter. Ugh. It's it just so drops it so hard. It does. And it's it's beautiful how it's dropped. I think it's like the perfect showing, not telling, right? Because he could have said, you've been fucking your daughter. And instead, it's a beautiful... <laughs> beautiful like picture book <laughs> sorry adam i no, wish I, just... I wish lee did it in that voice <laughs> there's just something like I'm if that line if that line is in the movie we're not talking about the movie today we are there's not no, there's no fucking way absolutely you're talking not. about i below freezing <laughs> what is the rating for the 2013 old boy uh it's i i it's critical is 39 Dang. Okay, I was gonna say you could release a an old boy, old boy. <laughs> we did that once. We did uh, when we did Crouching Tiger. Melissa and I covered the sequel to Crouching Tiger. <gasps> I haven't watched it. Oh, I didn't know there was a sequel. There, it's a, it was one of Netflix's first um, films. Oh, that long ago? Yes. Wow. Yes. Cool. I'm never that's gonna good. watch it. Don't no. please don't. Oh, don't. I will. There's no reason. Woof. Oh, so that is that is my favorite Wolf. scene. <laughs> um, oh, also, in the DVD commentary for this specific scene, I loved the fact that the I loved the cinematographer, um, and he talked about how great the actors were, specifically uh, the three lead actors, because sometimes when actors are really acting and and really into their in their craft as we as a as an actor i can understand what he means by that they forget that they're playing to not only each other but also the camera so it's difficult to capture what they want but in old boy the lead actors were always aware of their performance in conjunction with the camera movement and that's not a very easy thing to do but i think that's very evident in the penthouse scene they always know where they're playing to and that's a skill that's so cool to see them be like no this is the the cinematographer the cinematography is basically an additional character and i feel like they gave it the um the respect that it deserved because it was great cinematography work in this movie oh for sure it was yeah it was great um should we talk about 
some controversies. We've already talked about incest a little bit. We've already talked about blood and gore. We also have one other big controversy that we have not discussed yet. It's a controversy, but it's a great scene. Oh, it's a great scene, but it's that octopus death. It's a lot of octopuses. Octopi. Octopi. Yeah, so there is a very long history of animal violence in cinema. We can just accept that. We go back to old westerns. I think it was Stagecoach that they started using... um, the the pulling the line so that the horses would fall and then the horses would break their legs and would have to be put down so it's not like this is the first movie in the world that had a had an animal death on the screen but i'm interested to know what what your feelings are on this because i have my own feelings oh this okay this is great because i i guarantee that my my reaction is going to be wickedly different from both of yours um I can't say that I have any real thoughts about the eating of a live animal. Um, that's, and I feel like that might be even specific to certain cultures. So I, Same. I don't really have a thing. Uh, my gut reaction every time I see it is I'm so scared that this guy's going to fucking choke. Like the actual actor, it is, I am like, like, I don't even care. You're eating an octopus. That's great. Are you going to die? Because I don't want you to die. I'm that was so my concerned. Oh, <laughs> I was I was oh, like, oh, my God. I have a friend who forever wanted me wanted to find where you could eat live octopus. And would, he wanted us to go because there's, you know, rumored some places. And I was I was like, dude, that you're going to choke. I was like, I can't handle that. And so it just just brought me back to it. Um, have you have you guys seen Deadly Prey? Yes. No, I haven't. OK, it's a terrible movie. But in Deadly Prey, he eats rats. Kills and eats rats. Okay, if you're going to eat this and do this, it better be for something like Old Boy and not for Deadly Prey. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's like, you know, I mean, you know, the, the actor, he's a Buddhist, so he prayed. I know he had a lot of guilt with it. So, but culturally, who am I? Like, if that's, you know, because when they pull out the live lobster, Mito says, you know, I'll cut it, and he just shoves it in his mouth. Like, visually striking. It was also... Min Sik's idea to eat it whole, not the way that it's intended, because originally this dish is intended to be cut up. It's mm-hmm. still super dangerous to eat because these the suckers can um, attach to your neck uh, or your throat and, and just stay in your throat. But but he said that it made more sense to eat the octopus the way that he did. I feel like most places bring this up and they're like, this is really controversial. He was forced to do this and he wasn't. It was his own choice. I also think I, I love that everybody talked about how culturally we can't really make a comment about it because it's it's not our culture and, and people do eat live octopus. So who am I to, to tell you it's wrong? Um, this is just, the hardest. Just drink a lot of water with it. That's scary. <laughs> it will. And OK, so this is the hardest scene in the film for me to watch. And it's not because of the animal death. I'm sorry. People are probably going to get really mad at me for saying that. It's because this dish is dangerous and it's a choking hazard and as a person who has a paralyzing fear of choking on food this like my throat literally 
like just like starts to close and I start to hyperventilate when I watch something like this. When I watched the nut scene in Hereditary, same reaction. I was so glad that I knew it was going to happen because I was like, <gasps> she's, she's choking, she's choking. And I was on a plane when I watched it too. And it was, it was just great. It was a great experience. You know, always, always watch Hereditary for the first time when you're on a plane. Um, but for me, that's, that's really hard for me to watch because it, it, made me have a reaction but that's what he wanted he wants people to have a reaction that was a visceral reaction for me and, you know it's the first thing you eat you know 15 years you eat one thing you got to go big at your first meal <laughs> anything but those fried dumplings i guess right and Seriously. then he eats so many dumplings that's such a funny so many dumplings uh, yeah it's a, that's a good little bit i yeah. love it i love that uh that montage. Give me a good montage any day. I will say, I do think I have to, I have to say this. In 2021, the UK government did declare that lobsters, crab, octopus, and others like species will be included in the animal welfare bill. And this paves the way for legal protection from practices of being boiled alive and having their like tendons cut or pierced because they technically do feel pain and they can experience pleasure and octopus in general get really bored so there is a sentience there so i just i do want to say that that this has now been in 2021 almost 20 years later we do now recognize that octopus probably have a bit more going on well go go check out my octopus teacher on netflix oh, one yeah. best documentary a few yeah. years ago there's a real connection between that guy and that octopus. Yeah, I've seen it. So I do want to say that. But honestly, this this scene doesn't bother me that much. In this scene, I'm more every time I'm still thinking about just be it a grain of sand or a rock in water, they both sink. Every time I hear that, just like I just think about it for like 15 minutes. So then this scene comes and <laughs> there's tentacles on his face. And I'm like, oh, right. I have to I have to be here. Here. Here for it. It's yeah. No, I mean interesting okay i wasn't sure what reaction we were going to get with that with that topic and i actually thought i was going to have the most like controversial reaction to that so it just honest my with, with things like that my take is always who the hell am i to tell you right exactly it's and also just like, don't in, just don't choke well and also in our in the united states especially in western culture there are so many times where where people who do have eating preferences that are different than what we find standard, we call disgusting. And who who are we to say that? That's fucked up. Unless it's milk based, then you're you're an animal. Jesus Christ, Joey. No milk. <laughs> oh my God, Joey. Again, we are so in sync here. Fuck milk. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> Adam, are you a milk person? Ugh. No, I'm not a milk person. I just judge you. <laughs> I judge you for that. Joey's anti-milk stance is just, it's very on the record. <laughs> very much. <laughs> I love this. I had no idea, and I really genuinely do not like milk at all. Oh, that's, no, I don't oh, drink well. milk. And I haven't had cereal in forever. Like, I, I don't, I, I'm not, a, I mean, you know, I get coffee-based, you know, I'll, I'll get like a latte or whatever, but like, I don't ever just have a glass of milk. Or I anything. only put milk, like a, we get um, non-fat milk because it's the most watered down, and I'll put a tiny bit in my tea, tiny bit, because I'm married to a Brit, and you know, Brits in their tea. Uh, it's true. But other than that, no thanks. Yeah, you. I go coffee black. Me too! 
I actually had multiple black coffees today because I, I do. I do. I we do almond milk. We do almond milk creamer. Okay, that works. I can That's accept. good. I can this is where we've got to. This is what we're. This is where we are now. Yeah, this is where we are. <laughs> Talking milk. about so <laughs> back milk. to incest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, woof, woof. Um. So, in your research, did either of you come across the term Han? No. Okay. Spell it. H A N Han. The character from the Fast and the Furious movies? I thought that too, but no, not at all. Um, okay, so all right. this is actually a term that cannot be translated into English or basically translated out of Korean. And I do not claim to have a great understanding of this term because I am a white woman who has no Korean descent. But it is derived from a Chinese character that means resentment regret and hatred and it became a term for Koreans during Japanese occupation. I'm not sure if either of you went like looked into the history of Korea. I did. I looked into the history of Korean film and Korea has a really long brutal history of occupation, imperialism, civil war, slavery and it all and all of these things contributed to this collective idea of Han, which is said by some people to be within the blood of every Korean person. Um, I will make a note here. Nowadays, people are speaking out against this term because it's described as unrealistic, irrelevant, and damaging. Is it like the collective unconscious type of thing? It's it's kind of like a collective unconscious, but it, it it's more aware. So I'm going to give you a, uh, a description by a theologian named Su Nam Dong. And he describes Han as a feeling of unresolved resentment against injustices suffered, a sense of helplessness because of the overwhelming odds against one, a feeling of acute pain in one's gut and bowels, making the whole body writhe and squirm, and an obstinate urge to take revenge and to right the wrong. All of these things combined. And this is kind of a prevalent through line in in certain korean movies just because it is a it is a term that has been used to describe this feeling of of cultural i don't want to say cultural ennui it, it it's a very very heavy term but in old boys specifically both Ode Su and Wu Jin have this overwhelming overwhelming need to continue towards their revenge, even though it ultimately leads to both of their downfalls. It's as if it's kind of in their DNA and they have to keep moving forward. And there is that class division between them, between Ode Su and Wu Jin, how Wu Jin seems to have unlimited funds to enact this revenge, and which is incredibly complicated. But in the end, it doesn't fix anything it doesn't make anything better he's still filled with this regret and this resentment and i'm just wondering if either of you since this is the first time you've heard this if either of you have any feelings towards that or if you can see it, it, the very interesting youtube video i watched talked about earlier discussed how this was like a a through line in a lot of um korean thrillers specifically so you see it in mother you see it in burning you see it in Memoirs of a Murder. And I just found it really interesting. Um, not that I think it's, it, it. again, a lot of people are speaking out against it right now, but 
I think it's still relevant to bring up, considering it is kind of a through line in this in this film itself. That's really interesting because one of the things I was going to bring up before we go was Wu Jin's focus on revenge as like a mask for his grief and how he never really gr- grieves until after the tongue in the elevator. It seems like the only time it hits him and then, he, you know, he, he, he shoots himself. And it's interesting, this idea, because it is that just ultra obsession towards, you know, revenge and where with Daisu, it's okay. For 15 years, you've been thinking about one thing. Now it's, you know, it's such a limited focus. And the fact that he's able to, you know, do anything. You know, the scene on the elevator where it scares the crap out of him now all the way to where he gets into the, you know, figuring out the code in the penthouse. Um, Versus Wu Jin, who, while, you know, coming from money, but while still maintaining success and just all-encompassing, you know, leaving grief for revenge. It's, It's interesting with this concept. Well, and I think it's you and you mentioned class, which is interesting. I mean, if if you want to phrase it one way, you know, Wu Jin had the opportunity to spend these 15 years doing many other things and has chosen to focus his time on this. Whereas if we want to assume that Odaisu does not come from as much wealth and is more of a working class gentleman, uh, he's you know, he's forced into this situation. And so I think class does play a real a real part in this. I mean, it's it's not given that much attention, like both like verbally in the in the in the film, but it's it's there. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's it's always a, a through line, even if it's not. It's very subtle, but it's 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 known and it's felt. And I mean, even in terms of class, Park forgives Wu Jin for cutting off his hand for his new prison hotel. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like he even even though he's making X amount of dollars doing it, he still needs that. So that's worth forgiving for whatever, you know, you have to just think Park's motivations are purely financial. I mean, it's which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with thinking of things financially. Uh, Listen, you lose your teeth and you lose your hand. You need something to grasp. Fair, fair. Um, the Loosely. prison hotel on the same floor where you can visit John Malkovich. <laughs> seven floor seven and a half. You know, I love anytime we could There's talk about the wonderful though. being John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah, they they figured it out. But <laughs> I think Korea really had the 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 structure of the building more intact. They sure did. You know, that first time the the first time you see them give him food and he's trying, you know, he's reaching right after he's seen him like you know, first time I watched it I was like He's not just in a tiny box. <laughs> I mean, his his room seemed fine. Uh, I don't think I'd want to be there, but at least he had a it's little a bit room. of space. I mean, he drew a man on a wall to beat <laughs> up did. and permanently scar. I, you know, he, so it, a lot of room for activities, know, guys. So much room for activities. So, you know, I think we're pre- you know, we, I feel like we've had a pretty hearty discussion about this film thus far. Um Yes, Joey. I was going to ask if. Can I just bring up one Absolutely. more one more thing before we talk about like the end? Then the idea of sitting down and writing down every wrong you've ever committed, right? Like in my past, I've worked in addiction for a very you know thirteen years. So you know, I I, I really thought about that and just like how many people really struggle with that step along the of getting sober. You know the you know the past grievances and apologizing for them and literally writing it down and just you know having to sit. Having no idea why you're somewhere 
or in a situation you're in and having to think about everything you've ever done wrong and what, how hard that can be. I mean, I'm Catholic, so um, I feel like that's my daily life. It's, it's all, all guilt. guilt. Uh, but no, it's, it, that's very true. Not to not to take away from that. But that is very true. That's a that's a part in I think that's a really humanizing moment um, in the film, because I'm sure that we all have those those times where we I wake up in the middle of the night and I think, holy shit, did I offend that person? Did I, you know, those intrusive thoughts? That's of, that Catholic yes, guilt. exactly. I went to Catholic school my whole life. I get it. <laughs> yes, Catholic. Oh, is school that is that why is that why I'm over here going like, what the fuck are you two talking about? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yes. Ask Melissa. I'm sure she'll understand. I, I'm sure she's up right now. But like, yeah. what the fuck? I, I can't sleep. Right. Exactly. Um, it's it's one of those things that I think is uh, for me when I was watching that I thought, wow, that would be really difficult. But also, I think that I could go through and say, well, that was that one time I hit my sister with a phone. Um, that's definitely why I am. I am. I hit her in the back. It wasn't that bad, but it feels really bad thinking about it now. Um, we were fighting. Would you have as many notebooks as? I mean, I probably could just because oh, I'd think snap. like, oh, I, I accidentally stepped in front of somebody on the bus. I bet that person, that random person, this is what they looked like. They probably hate me now, and I'm here because of that. You know, oh, that's but, so that 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 is really interesting because I feel like I I might have one not filled out because I'd be so busy going like if this person is doing this to me because of that they can go fuck themselves like I would feel like that's where I'd be too I'd be I'd be like this this you son of a bitch I I have such um I I'm just that person that immediately assumes that everybody's mad at me uh my my poor husband sometimes will be sitting in silence and he is a very quiet human and I'll just say are you are you mad at me and he goes no no I'm not and I was like then why aren't you talking? And he goes, well, I have nothing to say. I was like, well, say something. Say anything. And he's like, I, I literally have nothing to say, so I can't. He's like, well, now I'm exactly. mad at you for making me talk. Exactly. Or if he is genuinely mad at me, I'm like, why are you mad at me? Why are you mad at me? Why are you mad at me? I need to know. And he's like, I don't want to talk because I'm mad at you. Please stop. You're being very obnoxious. Uh, if my sister doesn't respond to me, I think she's mad at me. Uh, so I think I think I just have the neurosis that... Um, I can understand where he's coming from. But I think he genuinely was just kind of an asshole. I don't think I'm genuine. I'm a bitch, but I'm not an asshole. At, at best, he was very selfish. Okay, this is an interesting thing about this movie. I, and and this is probably throughout the entire Vengeance trilogy. Do we have a hero? In, in, in all any of them, of them or just? In any of them. I mean, I do. I do think that there's something about um, Lady Vengeance that's that speaks to me. But I, I, I obviously could see the other side of it too. But if I, if I'm to pick one person, I'd probably pick her. I mean, not an old no. boy. Yeah. I don't think we have a single hero in Old Boy. I agree. Gumja is. I'm obsessed with her. I'm obsessed with that movie. For a while after watching it, I wore. She's actually wonderfully casted. She's it's perfect. so good. She's so good in that movie, and uh, she really doesn't do that much anymore. She kind of stopped acting, but there was a while where I wore red eyeshadow because I really just loved her. Uh, I want to bring that back, except I don't really wear a lot of makeup anymore. But I, I agree. I don't think we have a hero in this movie, and that's what makes this movie so fascinating. 
I think in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, he tried to showcase why, like, we don't necessarily have good people, but they all have understandable reasons for where they go. In Old Boy, it's just cause and effect. They're just kind of fated to come to this end point. And then in Lady Vengeance, we have one person who is trying to find salvation. Because, you know, in, in Lady Vengeance, when she kind of realizes that if she didn't do what she did, four more would be alive. And then her actions from there. She's just, you know, I'm on board with her. Me too. Me too. I love her as a character, but, you know, in terms of the, the hero discussion. Yeah, I don't know. That's why. Everybody should watch Lady watch Vengeance. Watch it, it's so good. I do like Ryu in Sympathy for Mr. Um, Vengeance. Not that he's a hero, but I... I, I th- there's a logic Symp- with him. Right, wrong, or absurd. Sympathy's really uh, brutal. More brutal, I think, than either of the other two. And I think it's in the, the way that it was made. I think it's the going back to art movements. It's the realism. So mm-hmm. I was watching it the other day uh, on the couch with some headphones in because uh, Neil absolutely did not want to watch it. And at the end, when um, the, the Achilles tendon scene happens, I freaked out. I was like hitting him and I was just like cringing. And I realized it's because throughout the film, we don't actually see violence happen. Um, We get the idea of violence. um, And the first time we see something actually happening to someone else is when we see someone get hit with a baseball. And when we see um, when we see her get electrocuted, which is very difficult to watch. But it's like the culmination at the end. We know what's going to happen. That dread is there and we can feel it. And it felt so hard. (laughs) It was hard to watch. And I don't quite get that from Old Boy. And I think that's just the style of the movie. It's not necessarily meant for that. Personally. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Well said. I mean, so now we got to talk about the ending. The ending? Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I already said the ending is my favorite. Well, the ending or the epilogue? I think the epilogue. Is it talking about the epilogue in the snow? Okay. Epilogue, yeah. Because I think I think in terms of, of shots, all of that is gorgeous. Oh, it's beautiful. It's New I, Zealand. They, they, beautiful. Yeah, New Zealand. That's right. Yeah, yep. Oh, yeah, fun fact. Fun fact. They made fake snow and it didn't work. So uh, everybody in the crew was just like grabbing snow and and trying to trickle it down over the top of them so that it looked like real snow. And I love that. I love the fact that even Park Chan-wook was doing it. Teamwork makes the dream work. So in the end, in that epilogue, do we think that he... And I I was going to go back and, and count to see if there was 70, 71 steps... I didn't. I just was like, uh, probably I don't I can't do this anymore. This movie is too it's going to fuck with me too much if I watch it again. But do we think that Odessu survives or the monster survives or can can Odessu actually survives it survive if he severs the tie with the monster? Thoughts. You know, I, I, I that literally the last note I have is ignorance is bliss. That smile at the end. Do we buy it? And I, I honestly don't know. And I think why this movie is so enduring is because I, I really can't come to a decision. Um, and, and I think if I did, I would 
I wouldn't be happy with the conclusion. Because yeah. and again, that the the smile, like goes does kind of not not a, it's not it doesn't go to a frown, but like that it like it's it's not a real it's not genuine there's something behind it and and that's what leaves it very very vague and mysterious you know i watch it this time and i want to say you know he knows but he knows she doesn't know and he just you know 15 years by himself his wife's dead and he just needs that companionship so he's able to look it over but then i watch it the second time for the notes and i'm like you know i don't think so and you know maybe oh I wonder what I wonder what uh, I wonder what Britt and Adam are gonna think and that's why I love this movie because every time I watch it something clicks with me to the end and man that smile and the way the smile transitions into I don't know if it's you know sometimes I think is is it desperation is it insanity is it what is it and it, it's it's just fantastic well, and then there's also the idea that we may like ode sue as this quote-unquote hero of our story because he the, you know the 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 protagonist of our story but are we really on board with him erasing his memory so that he can have an incestuous relationship with his daughter without realizing it Against it's her will. Exactly, against her will, because she doesn't have any autonomy in this. She can't yeah. say yes or no because she has been um, conditioned this way. And I, I, I do say there's a lot of like, we have to believe that hypnosis can be this powerful. Yeah, yeah, it, that's a real big leap. If you, if you yeah. can't go down that path. This yeah, you just got to yeah. buy yeah, it. If, exactly. if you can't go down that path, that's fine. This movie is not for you. Please do not watch it because you'll just think this is a really stupid film. Whereas I'm like, oh, the magical realism, I'll accept it. And and thinking about it that way this time was really, really upsetting to me. And I thought, man, I just kind of wish Odesu died because I, <laughs> I want Mito to go on and just have a life without him. I want her to you know, be able to make and, a choice. Uh, right. You know, the one thing I never thought about before, which I don't know how I, how I never thought about, the hypnotist has always worked for Wu Jin in the prison jail. Why are we all of a sudden thinking she's going to help this guy yeah. out? Because he wrote a crazy letter in oh, a yeah, cause, wonderful cause of snowstorm? The, uh, because of the line. What is the line? It's. Uh, oh, I didn't write it down. I know, I, I, but I, I have it. Hold on. Oh, good. Um, Again, I stopped writing uh, notes. I had it because it's, oh, even though I am no worse than a beast, don't I have the right to live? Right. Maybe not. Okay. And, That's and a great I, line. I mean, and, I, mean I, there, I, I guess this hip, this hypnotist has some compassion that, you know, small, small pivotal character. I, I have no idea. I mean, she had other scenes, but they cut them. They cut so many scenes. They cut a but lot. I think <sighs> they should have. I think it's a nice, a, a nice pace. Yeah, I agree. It's nice two yeah, hours. Yeah, it doesn't feel like two hours, at least not to me, but it's because I enjoy I agree. it. No, I don't think it moves It moves nicely. Do either of you have an unsung hero for this, this film? Uh, mine is the cinematography. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, you know, from, <laughs> from the hallway fight scene, you know, then I was just thinking about the scene when... You know, um, Ujin is holding the gun to his head. It turns and just the gun's there. And then, you know, to the, you know, when, he, you know, when he's holding his sister and then it goes, you know, when he cocks the gun, just all of that. And then just the blood splattered against the elevator. Um, 
You know, I love the way everything's shot. I love the way everything's framed. In the after the hallway fight, before the elevator fight, just where you know he just takes up such a small part of the screen to the smile, so you could see the full background. Man, the cinematography works so well for me. And um, yeah, I got to Unsung Hero a lot quicker than I planned, than I thought about. I was like, oh, this is going to take a lot of, lot, lot of breaking things down for me. And I was like, oh no, it's cinematography. Did either of you watch last night in Soho? Unfortunately. Well, okay. No. Uh, yeah. I really I enjoyed that movie. So didn't like this it. is going to be a conversation. But he was the cinematographer in that. So, and I really oh, enjoyed cool. that. Okay. And he was the cinematographer in It, Chapter One. Um, he's actually done quite, yes, quite a that. bit. Uh, <laughs> we'll have a conversation about Last Night in Soto, Soho off mic because uh, it's definitely a, a, a jello. So, anyways. Um, but I think he's great. I wholeheartedly agree with that uh adam unsung hero uh so i i went with one i think i landed on on this unsung hero because they don't they don't make shit for movies anymore um and so i'm going with i think it's ru sung he who was the production designer um because i think that that the hotel prison and the penthouse given the i guess what were limitations but like I the penthouse gives such a vibe and the 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 um the the practical uh, hotel or you know hotel prison room I I thought there was such detail and such thought that went into the creation of it um and I I just I I just I thought it helped with it, the world building so much so I'm going I'm going with her absolutely love that. Um, So originally my unsung hero was the cinematographer, but I did have a backup just in case somebody else chose the uh, cinematographer. And I went with the composer, Cho Young-Wook. Another great choice. His his freaking score adds so much to this film. It creates this like twisted, tumbling atmosphere that just grips you and it thrusts you deep into this world that's being created on screen until we get to the realism and it's just fucking gone. And it's so effective. Um, my husband, when we rewatched it, I do, ha- okay, I do have an email from him from 2011 where he said he really liked this movie because I told him <laughs> to watch it. And then when we rewatched this film, he went, yeah, I don't think there's much there. I really don't think this is for me anymore. And I think that's fine. He's allowed to have his opinion, even if it's wrong. But one thing he did say was, wow, this is really iconic, this music and the way that it's used. And I do think it's uh, very influential. And that opening shot, it's not my favorite shot. I have a very different favorite shot. But that shot where it's just like the sun around that permed hair and the music that as he's holding on to the the man who is in love with his dog it's iconic it's incredible and it sets the film up so that's my unsung hero the music during the um the 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 tooth pulling scene is it's fantastic so i was actually listening to the soundtrack on the way here oh it's fantastic it's so good awesome that's uh, a great so choice do you do y'all have a favorite shot of this film Yeah, um, the hallway fight scene. Um, I just, you know, that's always my lasting thought with it. I, I just love everything about it. The amount of work and thought and the fact that it all panned out so well. And, you know, it 
moved everything the way it was supposed to move, and it just, I don't know. I think if you watch that, we had talked a little bit earlier, and think it's anything other than excellent, I don't know yeah. what you're doing. Maybe it's so true. I, I, I get, and I feel like my, my answer is I, I wanted to go a little, because I, I mean, the hallway fight is, is just amazing. Yeah, I have it. I, I love the, um, the shot of Odaisu in the phone booth stepping out, his friend coming in, the circle, he's gone, and then it goes up, and then we see the X in the middle of the road, and I'm like, I like it. I like what you did there. Well, it's so interesting to me because Park Chan-wook is very, like, heavily revolved, like, heavily uses storyboarding and it's so evident in his films because everything's like a picture uh you can take most shots and you could hang it up because it looks so good uh the the scene between odesu and Wu jin when they first meet and there's basically no uh there's basically no action at all there's so much action between the camera that it still keeps it exciting and invigorating and i think that's just such a good a good thing to do it's it's what we did not get in the prequels to star wars where people just walk down halls and in long shots and spoke to each other and i think that is necessary for a a an interesting film personally sometimes it's okay to just have one long shot but sometimes it doesn't work and i think that that scene in particular, just the way that he uses the camera as an extension of, like, as an extension of the characters is so good. It's so brilliant. For me, I mean, I put, you know, if no one says the hallway scene, obviously the hallway scene, but, you know. <laughs> My favorite shot is um, when it's directly after Mr. Han has been shot by Wu Jin Lee. And it's because... Woojin's face is like to the left of the camera to to our right and blood is splattered across his face and he's blinking furiously and he's trying to rub uh, the blood out of his eyes and it, it, that's because it was at such close range and that small detail is really thrilling to watch because we don't see that in most cinema most people just go up shoot somebody and there's no blood splatter on them at all and it feels very realistic to me considering his proximity to Mr. Han when he shoots him in the head. And it also kind of represents the idea that Wu Jin will always bear responsibility. Like even if he's putting it on someone else, it's always going to be inside him. It will always affect him. He always is the cause of what is happening. And that is so interesting to me. They do it again in the in the elevator and they don't romanticize anything, which I think is really um, poignant in the film. I, I appreciate that. I, they don't make anything look pretty. Yeah. And that's that's why I really like that. And I've already said my favorite scene. It's the entire Max. My God, it's so good. Uh, but do you guys have a favorite scene? I think it's that for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we come to this final question then, friends. Is there Okay, before we leave, is there anything you wanted to talk about that we haven't touched on yet? I don't think so. I had a couple of questions I wanted to throw out there, but no, I think I think I I think I'm good. Yeah, I, I love how much we went into it. This is awesome. <laughs> so I'm I I love this movie, so I just had a lot to talk about. <laughs> but so I I guess um Adam 
question of the night. Do you do you think that this film, Old Boy, from 2003 by, by Park Chan-wook, should this be included in the book? Uh, uh, yes, uh, absolutely. And I, I could easily see this being something that isn't in the book. Yeah, just me too. Given given you know it, it's it's preference on on stuff from the the you know early part of the twentieth century, uh, et cetera, oh, yeah. et cetera. Um, but like I, I it, it this is this is a movie that is sort of a reason why the book should exist. Um, and uh, I I think it shows you it, you know it's obviously it's. It's not just a foreign film, but it's an exciting filmmaker, and uh, I, you know, and and I think it's one of those movies that that has a twist, but continues to hold up even after you've seen it a few times. So, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely, should be in the book. Thank you so much, um, Joseph. I will now ask you: Do you think that uh, Old Boy should be included? Absolutely. I'm so happy it's here, and I'm so happy it's something that people are watching and you know it's of course a pain in the ass to find when you recommend it to people but it is such a good movie it's important it matters it's every time you watch it there's more to it and you know not everything does that so um you know like adam said this is why the book is important i mean we're looking at you 1986 we really don't need to have fifty thousand movies from 1986 let's be real or you know so many movies from uh, 1971. But when I went into this film, I knew that this was one of my favorite movies. So I wanted to try to be a little uh, a little less biased, which is hard. I didn't want that nostalgia factor to come into it. I don't think it worked. I watched it and I was like, this fucking movie is great. And I still think it should be in the book. I think I don't know if there's anything else quite like this in the book. To be perfectly honest, I think that I and I'm, I try not to look at it from a very important, like important movie standpoint, but it is an important movie. And I do think that as long as you are aware of what your triggers are, you should go see this movie. I, I did hear somebody say like, oh, I didn't find this movie as uh, extreme as as everybody said it was. And I was like, I don't think you watched the same movie as me again. Like this movie is very uncomfortable to watch. I squirm in my seat. I laugh at things I don't think I should laugh at. I have these intense feelings of regret, of remorse, of love, of anger. And I think that is such a successful movie. And I want other people to experience that. So I personally think that this movie should absolutely be included. Unanimous. Boom. Well, awesome. I don't even know how long we've been talking about this movie. But, oh, I think we've been talking a while. Uh, But... I want to say thank you both for uh, joining joining for this session of uh, 1001 by 1. I will say, oops, my bad. Um, we do have another episode coming out. And I think, uh, Joey, would you like to talk about uh, our next episode? Yes. Our next episode is M. And you two haven't... I haven't watched it yet. I haven't either, and I'm really excited. <laughs> it, it, uh, the the tough subject matter is going nowhere, so I think maybe we'll. Uh... Yes. When do we have a happy movie? I think not until Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> so okay, people, you got a ways to go, but eventually we'll get there. Um, yeah, pretty heavy. I, I will say I was excited because I found um, there was a list of movies that Park Chan Wook loved, and M was on it. So 
pretty Perfect. good. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight as we uh, discussed Old Boy, which we do believe should be in the book. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>